0: Welcome to the second annual Health and Human Rights Summit here in Tucson, Arizona. My name is Drew Heaton and I am the director for Humans for Humanity Coalition. Our mission is to awaken individuals to the health and human rights crisis of our day. We promote, preserve, and protect traditional ethics, objective scientific research, and informed medical consent. We believe in the ethical treatment of human beings and in the abolition of human exploitation. Through coordinated volunteerism, personal religious practice, and personal spiritual refinement, we educate citizens and political leaders regarding the ethical questions that influence government policy. And we financially support through fundraising those organizations which share our values. We support the values of compassion over criticism, forgiveness over condemnation, autonomy, over subjection, consent over coercion, and data over dogma. If you are wondering what coordinated volunteerism is or looks like, this summit is the perfect example. United in the desire to preserve liberty for ourselves, our children, and future generations, many individuals donated their time, talents, and resources on their own initiative. No one in our organization receives compensation for their service. The monumental effort so many individuals provided to bring this event to fruition is a miracle. Good morning.
1: So, uh, as uh, you know, listening to Dr. Orient, this this can be get pretty heavy. And uh, one of the questions in the panel yesterday was why don't they just get it over with and kill us all now? (laughs) Which was a little, so, and one of my most influential mentors in my life would always say the greatest of, the greatest things are achieved with a light heart. So I'm going to try to provide a little bit of that lightness today, even in this context that we're operating in. And of course, we all have seen the autocorrect had it happen to us, for example, I don't think very many people write duck you know, and then it auto-corrects. But here you have uh, a, a scenario here. I'm going to apologize in advance because I suffer from autocomplete errors, and that is where I'll be working my way through a sentence, and in my head it auto-completed, and I'll move on not realizing that I didn't say the end of the sentence. I hope you, oops, I, I did it right there, okay. And adding to my presentation yesterday, a couple things uh, just popped up. So in Washington State in November, they were saying we had to close everything down again because we were at 90% of hospital acute care uh, capacity. And then I, of course, I don't believe anybody anymore. So I went and looked it up, and what the state had done is they had designated that 10% of the state's acute care beds would be reserved for, COVID, so you can see that all staffed acute care beds in the state are 10,086, and at that point, 990 of them were treating COVID, and so we were 90% of the 10% that they had reserved for COVID, and they shut everything down and made everyone go back to Zoom. It is, anyway, so if you guys saw me yesterday, you, I ripped on them pretty good there. And then this morning, this popped up as I got up. I was talking about that if there is an effective treatment, then that, that uh, eliminates the opportunity for an emergency use authorization for the vaccine. And so now they're uh, starting to concede that hydroxychloroquine is effective. Okay. My speech today is, Our vaccines magical? I'm going to review magical thinking in public health, an overview of vaccine proponent's position, contrast that to the real world, and then some specific vaccine safety issues. And this started uh, when I was, uh, of course my disclaimer, I'm not a doctor or a lawyer, and nothing I present should be considered medical or legal advice. Uh, Second disclaimer, you're going to have three phases in this presentation. The first one's going to feel like this, a thousand sticky notes stuck to a whiteboard. The second one's going to feel like this. And then this is what I think I'm doing. Now, this started for me in a conversation. I came to this issue from a, a patient safety. I had a family member that died through medical misadventure. And somebody had asked me, Carl, could you look at this vaccine? I hadn't, didn't have kids yet. Uh, and asked me, could you look at this? And I thought, well, wow, these are safe. And then I recognized, no, these are impossibly safe. Nothing is this safe. So I was at, uh, in the legislature hallway, they were doing a a bill to remove the exemptions in Washington State. And I just, uh, and uh, there was a bunch of families there with their children. And I said, uh, there was a legislator next to me, I said, you know, the number of vaccine-injured children here is tragic. And it was actually a health officer. And he says, no, the real tragedy is that these parents think their children are vaccine injured. I said, what do you mean? He said, vaccine injury is one in a million. These parents are mistaken or lying. I said, one in a million is impossible. He says, what are you, anti-vaccine? I said, no, I'm anti-fantasy and (laughs) anti-stupidity. So you can Google. Uh, The injury rate in Scary Mommy, which I guess is a a highly respected uh, location for intense intellectual, and it will say vaccine injury is one in a million literally, and I don't, not many people that I say literally after they say it. And then there's the continuing sense. It's the same, she says, as those from other types of medications or therapeutic treatments which should right there uh, result in that doctor losing their license. So. If you go to the history of vaccines, this is their site. Vaccine injury compensation programs, no medical intervention is completely risk-free. From a public health standpoint, the messaging has to be that injury is so infrequent as to be basically theoretical. Because if there's any real risk, who's going to do that to their kid? So this is from their site. Throughout the 1970s and 80s, the number of lawsuits brought against vaccine manufacturers increased dramatically and manufacturers made large payouts to individuals and families claiming vaccine injury, not just claiming, proving vaccine injury in a court of law and being compensated, particularly from the combined DPT immunization. In this environment of increasing litigation, mounting legal fees and large jury rewards, many pharmaceutical companies left the vaccine business. It was not profitable. In fact, by the end of 1984, only one U.S. company still manufactured the DPT vaccine and other vaccines were losing manufacturers as well. Had the market forces been allowed to apply, then I don't believe there would be vaccines today. So in October 1986, the U.S. Congress responded to the precarious situation in the vaccine market by passing the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, NCVIA, and the NCVIP is the uh, National Childhood Vaccine uh, Injury Compensation Program. Now notice the bill title is not, the national parents are mistaking or lying about their child's vaccine injury act. The fact that vaccines can and do cause harm is memorialized in the title of H.R. 5546, and if you haven't read that bill, it's quite interesting, uh, the sections of it. And the, the uh, there were many provisions that were supposed to fix the problem that have never been implemented, and you'll see the work of uh, uh, Dale Bigtree and the ICANN group. So the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services established this system, the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program in 88, so the the manufacturers don't even pay that. So the people are funding their own compensation. One in a million was a napkin calculation that used the number of vaccines estimated to have been administered in a 20-year period or so as the denominator and the number of injuries compensated through the NVICP as the numerator. As a simple division exercise. Uh, a brilliantly scientific uh, calculation. And uh, that's my cat after my son built a raised bed, and he decided to christen it literally before he finished. Remember, we're going to maintain a light heart. So serious vaccine injury is one in a million, and then uh, what in the world is this doctor talking about? There are no medications or therapeutic treatments with a one in a million risk. Medical errors and unintended outcomes are the third leading cause of death. Tonsillectomies, and this, uh, this is an extremely rare occurrence, and death occurs as a result in between 1 and 2360, that doesn't sound very rare to me, and 1 in 56,000. There are quantified uh, uh, definitions for rare, very rare, common in medical jargon, and 1 in a million is nowhere in those charts. It stops at 1 in 10,000. So here's one, uh, safe injection practices. You cannot guarantee sterility. At a point, you know, the little alcohol wipes that are, the sterile wipes, they weren't sterile. And uh, uh, patients were developing these unusual infections that were not hospital infections. They're from a restaurant or something. And then they tracked it back and found out that the wipes were not sterile. So you could do everything right, and then uh, inadvertently infect the person using the wipe. There was also some other uh, gels that were being used. So Triad, we've all seen that brand. You cannot guarantee proper medication administration. So when uh, uh, the medical is learning how to use the various equipment and materials, they don't use real uh, uh, product for the patients, and so they have mock, uh, mock material, so in this case they had mock sterile saline solution and then somebody in the warehouse room or whatever the stock room accidentally threw it into the regular program and it's designed to look like sterile and so it was being used on patients. At least forty patients mistakenly received unsterilized simulated intravenous fluids meant for training only instead of sterile saline solution Normally given to people in the hospital, health officials said Wednesday, many of the patients became ill and one died. Medical errors don't fear, don't just fear the hospital, fear your local clinic as well. 98,000 people a year die from medical errors. Hospital injection errors common. And yet somehow every vaccine is perfect. Dialysis patient injected with cleaner, concerned about kidney function. I'd be concerned about my kidney function if they shot me up with cleaner too. There is probably nothing more dangerous than you do than interface with the conventional healthcare system. Here's just a, a list of drug information association, and these are all of the possible things. This is not even all the things that can go wrong, but it's a lot of them. Safe Patient Project, Consumers Union, an estimated 440,000 Americans die each year after suffering a hospital error. Now having been through that myself, the, the, uh, there is no law that requires them to, div- to to disclose that to you. They don't have to tell you. So if you don't suspect, they're not going to volunteer it. I went through this. Uh, my And um, uh, it was traumatizing, so now whenever my, I kind of say that my job is to keep the doctors from killing my mom. And some people think I'm joking about that. I'm not joking about that. My job is to keep the doctors from killing my mom. So the last time she needed to go to a specialty nursing facility for some rehab, and I explain to them now, I say, I'm hypervigilant, so, it's not that I don't trust you as an individual. I don't trust anybody. And this doctor is sitting there looking at me, and he's got my mom's pa- transfer paperwork, and he's looking at me like, yeah, what a clown. And I can read backwards, and on the back of the paperwork, they had indicated the wrong leg that had been, had the surgery on. And it was awesome. I said, uh, for example, doctor, your transfer paperwork says the wrong leg. Oh, wow. Okay. that. Didn't change him, but at least it made me feel good for a minute. We had, uh, in another situation, she was moved from uh, the hospital to an SNF, and they thought she was somebody else. And if I hadn't been there, they would have said, uh, she would have said, oh, I'm not Dolores, I'm Mary. And they would have said, okay, Dolores, you're fine. So deaths from avoidable medical error more than doubled in the past decade, investigation shows. Preventable medical mistakes and infections are responsible for about 200,000 deaths in the U.S. each year. The precise number of these deaths is still unknown because many states lack a standard or more mandatory reporting system for injuries due to medical mistakes. If you look at some of the work by the aviation, industry there's some specialists from aviation that have looked at medicine and they're appalled usually after someone that they know has been injured and uh, they're the ones that started with checklist every once in a while you'll run into a facility that's doing it right where they'll say okay we're going to take a timeout. which patient is this do you know why you're here what is the procedure that we're doing which leg are we working you know Now adverse drug reactions. so an ADR is an an adverse drug reaction is a reaction to properly manufactured, properly prescribed, properly administered to the correct patient drug. An adverse drug event is defective product, improper prescribing, improper administration, or the substitution of a different medication. You can see the numbers here, you've got huge numbers. How safe are drugs in general? This study documented that adverse drug reactions to FDA approved MD properly prescribed, properly dosed, properly administered in a clinical setting is the fourth to sixth leading cause of death in the United States. This does not include medical errors. Is it truly reasonable to think that vaccines can somehow be a special category of pharmaceutical products? a category that is magnitude safer than the other product categories developed by the same scientists in the same labs, manufactured by the same companies and regulated by the same government agencies. This is a great, you should get this one and read this one, Risky Drugs, Why the FDA Cannot Be Trusted. Institutional corruption of of pharmaceuticals and the myth of safe and effective drugs. So I had, uh, I had a catastrophic reaction to fluoroquinolone antibiotics. I had a normal therapeutic dose, 10, 500 milligram pills. I had a delayed reaction, ruptured my Achilles tendons, my knees. Then when I couldn't walk, I had crutches, and then that tore my shoulders up. And, that, and, and when I went to the doctor, he said, well, you're just getting old. <laughs> it's like I'm 38, dude, come on. <laughs> 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 and six months ago, I could jump eight feet in the air. Literally, I'm mean, almost, maybe six feet in my martial arts school. So here are 10 dangerous drugs recalled by the FDA. So the important thing to understand about the recall is every recalled drug is, by definition, was once licensed as safe and effective. And this is an incomplete list. I don't think VIOX is on this. Very difficult for me to keep this uh, under fifty hours. Okay. Now, how ethical are these companies? Public Citizen, twenty-seven years of pharmaceutical industry criminal and civil penalties. So you see, GlaxoSmithKline, and then Pfizer, and those are four thousand seven hundred and twenty-eight. Uh, those are in millions, so billions of dollars here. So the manufacturer of one of the corona vaccines is the second most criminal and the other one is third most. And Moderna's not on that list because they've never brought a product to market successfully. And they still don't have an approved product. Oh, Venn diagram. I love these. So. Where's the overlap here? So bank robbers will say, everybody on the floor, put your hands up, give me your money. Preachers will say, put your hands up, give me your money, are you with me? And DJs say, everybody on the floor, put your hands up, and are you with me? So the next Venn diagram is the overlap. So we have, and I'm again, I'm excruciatingly thorough, but And you can kind of see the green, so uh, at the top, the blue. FDA and healthcare regulatory agencies repeatedly approve and then withdraw drugs once tested, licensed, and considered or certified to be safe and effective. It's considered to be a captured agency, Vioxx, Avandia, HRT, uh, hormone replacement therapy. Then in the right box, healthcare. Medical error is the third leading cause of mortality in the U.S. They cannot guarantee the amputation of the correct limb, yet every vaccine is administered correctly. The left side, pharmaceutical companies, adverse drug reactions are the fourth leading cause of mortality in the United States. So if you add together healthcare and pharmaceutical, I think that's going to blow away cancer and and heart disease. Pharma is the most represented industry in the top 10 highest criminal and civil judgments of all industries, fraud, bribery, et cetera. And I think that uh, I I prepared this a while back. I think that the the Gulf oil spill bumped in there for a while, but I, I think they pushed them back out. They're doing their best to push them back out and maintain the top 10. Every injection carries the risk of defective product, contaminated product, improperly packaged or labeled, shipped, stored, improperly prepared for injection, improperly dosed, unsanitary administration by the wrong route or another medication substituted or another liquid altogether. So basically any liquid in a medical office is a potential injectable. You could not inject significant numbers of saline without injuring or killing people. We saw that bad saline earlier. Even if the substance is harmless, the injection process is not. This, oh, this just came in this morning too. This is from 310-1021. Now, the, you know, there's a really good documentary about fluoroquinolones, and they're quoting the people from Public citizens, so Stanley Wolfe. And there's another uh, one of the attorneys, and they talk about uh, how, how the, you know, the, the, the ability to sue is part of the regulatory system. If you don't have that ability, and that most of the uh, warning label come after release within, within six years. When they don't, you don't have to sue. That's how you end up with a long troubled history of mold and other contamination, because who cares? We're not gonna get sued. The people are funding their own uh, compensation program anyway with that 75 cents per dose. I don't know why that's funny, but okay. So let's look at what the numbers might actually be. So in the USA, we have more or less, we we had, I don't know what it'll be now, but four million live births a year. And on the schedule, in the first 24 months, the kids are supposed to get 21 injections and three oral doses in birth to 24 months. So if we just take that, 192 million. Uh, And then there's 4 million, then as that birth each year, both birth cohort, there are four boosters scheduled between the fourth and seventh birthday. That's another 16 million. And then there's 4 million sixth grade Tdap for 4 million. And then if they do the meningitis and the HPV, these are just the summaries of that. So you get it somewhere about 240 million, the kids. And, and remember, uh, well, from my presentation yesterday, that less than 1% of children have zero. Then you throw on top of that 160 million flu shots a year. There's the adult schedule. And remember uh, the, what my conclusion yesterday was that the assault on the exemptions in the school age population is so that this becomes mandatory for adults without exemption because there's, uh, they've saturated the pediatric market. There's no more, no more left to get out, they can't get blood from a stone. Now even at one in a million, that's 400 plus seriously injured or killed people year in or year out. But when someone says I or my family member was injured after receiving a vaccine, they are thought to be mistaken or lying. People are treated as if they are reporting a Bigfoot, Loch Ness monster, or unicorn sighting. I have to take UFO off that now, don't I? (laughs) I was hoping, I was was pulling for Bigfoot because of where I live. So the pro-vaccination logic works like this. Vaccines never cause harm except when they do. When a vaccine does cause harm, it's never serious except when it is. And when it is serious, it's not the vaccine, it's a coincidence, or there was a defect in the recipient. And even if some are injured, it's worth it, because it's less injury than the prevented infections would cause. Um, So Robert Kennedy was talking about in his efforts to get some publicity about that, that their their justification for not covering this side of it is that, well, if we cover it, that's going to increase vaccine hesitancy, uh, uptake will reduce, and then we're going to see these injuries from the infections. So worth it. So we're, we're basically crashing a 747 every year. Now, you'll hear this number of how, how many lives are we actually saving, so I found that study. And uh, they are claiming that it's an estimated 42,000 early deaths. So the trolley car, uh, yesterday Allison had the the AI trying to decide which kid, you know, when there's an accident, who do we run over? And this is the utilitarian principle that Dr. Orient was talking about. So they're trying to figure out right now if the the self-driving vehicle, do we hit the drunk or the busload of orphans? So in this case, they have the doctor there. So if it's one in a million, then we're, we're injuring one to save 100. But then I found this when I was early on, because again, I knew that these numbers were ridiculous and absurd, one in a million. And I was able to locate uh, Public Health Canada, they kept good records, and so they conceded that serious adverse events following immunization are rare in any immunization campaign, from regular childhood vaccines to seasonal flu shots. The reported rates of serious adverse events on average is about one case for every 100,000 doses. And then, if you see the definition of serious adverse event, life threatening results in death, requires hospitalization, prolongs, ex- but then. Uh, The 1 in 100,000 rate is based on tens of millions of vaccine doses distributed over several years. The rate is based on the administration of several different types of vaccines, some of which have higher or lower rates of adverse events. Rates can also vary by age. And then then they they take apart the normal um, rebuttal to this, which is, well, they didn't investigate them. And then it says right there, the average rate of serious adverse events, which is 1 per 100,000 doses, has been calculated based on several years of data. It is also calculated on completed immunization campaigns when we have total numbers of vaccine distributed adverse events reported, and all investigations into serious adverse events have been completed. So that's a ridiculously low number, but it's 10 times higher than any other government agency would concede to. And guess what happened when I started linking to that? Boom, it went away. And it was, and it would show up on the Google, but you couldn't get to it, and that's, and the reason that's a, uh, Uh, way back is because I didn't understand how evil they were and that they would pull anything down. And you, if you see something good, download it, because it won't be there. So if we use that number, one in 100,000, now we're up, we have, we're doing it's a one in 10. Is that appropriate ratio? I don't know. If SAE is a one in 10,000, then it's one to one. World Health Organization, Adverse events following immunization, causality assessment. If they only occurred at one in a million, what's this document for? Why do we need it? And then there is the uh, quantification 2.2, the middle of the, I don't have it highlighted. What is the frequency of occurrence of this adverse event? Very common, more than one in 10. Common, one in a hundred. Uncommon, one in a thousand rare. 1 in 10,000, very rare, less than 1 in 10,000. Now see, when you tell a parent, and that's what maybe, maybe some of these doctors are, have this number. So when they tell you, well, injuries are very rare, and, uh, you know, when you tell a parent, and they ask when they're bringing in the injections with their baby, you know, what's, are these safe? Oh, no, injuries are rare, and the parent's thinking, well, what is that, like one in a million? And then very rare is never. So is every vaccine manufactured perfectly? Here's Merck, shrink wrap found in Merck vaccines. Vaccine vials with visible particles of charred shrink wrap evaded all quality control points and were only discovered by an astute healthcare provider who noticed them when preparing to administer the vaccine. While it may be safe to inject burnt plastic into children, if Merck's quality control is incapable of detecting visible contaminants, what does that say about the ability to detect invisible viral, bacterial, and chemical potential pollutants? They're not going to get sued. Is every vaccine administered perfectly? Medicari- medication errors are a known risk. Here's a newborn baby given an overdose of tuberculosis vaccine. I've heard about infants receiving HPV. Not every injection intended to be a vaccine is actually a vaccine. How did school staffers get insulin instead of flu vaccine? So when you're doing, and the only reason this comes up is because it's groups. So imagine family brings their daughter in, uh, they're preparing the injections in another room and they trolley them to the, Uh, uh, treatment room, and the little girl gets a muscle relaxant meant for the adult and the one next to it. And then, you know, well, sorry, it wasn't the vaccine. It wasn't even a vaccine. So when parents are reporting that, uh, what the, the, the real report is, I or my child was injured or killed after receiving an injection that was represented to us to be a vaccine. In a real system, the first thing is, what did that kid actually get? What did you actually get injected with? Dr. Orion just said, we don't know what's in these. Here we got 16 students sent to hospital after getting insulin shot by mistake at Lawrence Township School. I have another one where (laughs) the the, the, uh, contract nurse used the same needle for many, many, many. That happens all the time. Here's one of my favorite errors if you can call it that, a favorite. Some babies mistakenly injected with oral vaccine. I have to say that again because it's just like, are you kidding me? Some babies are mistakenly injected with oral vaccines. So this is not a dosing error. This is not, this is somebody who gets that. So it comes in a plunger, Uh, you can see that. So they're thinking, oh my gosh, they forgot to put the needle on this, on this packet that I just got here. And this is not a one-time error. You're going to do that until somebody takes you aside and says, you know, Bob, uh, this is an oral vaccine. You're not supposed to shoot this one in the kids. Now, ask the experts. So this is from the Immunization Action Coalition, and they have a page for uh, providers. And uh, here's one of the, this is happening often enough, it's on an FAQ page for administrators. This is, this is uh, disturbing here. We received a report of an infant who received rotavirus vaccine intramuscularly rather than orally. So, and their concern is, is the dose valid? <laughs> If not, when should it be repeated? Are you kidding me? So A, you're dumb enough to shoot up the oral, and B, you're so dumb you don't know that an oral one injected doesn't work. The rotavirus vaccine dose given by the intramuscular route is not valid and should be repeated by the oral route as soon as possible. And then, the, you know, they're baloney that, yeah, it doesn't hurt them, okay. Here's a problem is that the, the rotavirus vaccines are known to be contaminated with porcine retroviruses. So the second rotavirus vaccine found to contain porcine circovirus. Merck, the company that makes the most commonly given rotavirus vaccine in the United States yesterday said it has detected very low levels of DNA from porcine circovirus in its rototect vaccine, making it the second rototech vaccine found to contain PCV. So they had, they temporarily suspended it and then they determined that it was okay after six months. But do you think that they, what happens when you inject the contaminated vaccine? Was that part of their safety, was, was injecting the oral vaccine part of the original safety study? I have a friend that works with United Laboratories and it's, their safety testing is not just the product used as intended. It's the product used as intended and the most common ways you could make a mistake. And then they grab a couple of boys and learn, let them play with it and learn the other eight ways you never thought of. How you can take this lamp apart or, you know, what happens when you climb on a, on a set of drawers and it falls on top of you. So again, you know, they determined that, you know, your your elementary canal could probably handle that virus. I, I mean, that's, I'm trying to justify that they had some thought process. But what happens when you inject that contaminated vaccine? Here's one that is remarkably unscientific to me. And the question is, how many vaccines can be given during an office visit? All vaccines can be administered at the same visit. There is no upper limit for the number of vaccines that can be admi- administered during one visit. ACIP and AAP consistently recommend that all needed vaccines be administered during an office visit. Vaccination should not be deferred because multiple vaccines are needed. Now, did uh, anybody uh, go through the, w- watch the ACIP meeting about the approval for the 12 to 17-year-olds with the corona vaccine? And uh, there was one person that when they were uh, discussing the concurrent, you know, that the AAP person was like, oh, we're really excited about this because we'll get them back in and we'll catch them up on the ones we aren't having. And I think that one of the doctors said, well, wait, that wasn't on the agenda. We weren't talking about doing them all. We were just talking about are we going to give this temporary emergency use only authorization for that one because in all of the studies and testing before, there was a two weeks in front and two weeks behind the, the administration of the, of this one, and they're like, oh, no, it's fine. What did I, did I, they, and they were just, no, and yesterday, or the day before, the FDA was doing a meeting about uh, going down to six months, and I think one of the debates was, should we change the dose for the smaller? <laughs> now nah, you'll be fine. Unbelievable. Now, think about this, if that were a scientific statement, That would mean that somebody had volunteered, a large group or some number of people had volunteered their infants to receive various combinations of vaccines at various ages. Now, I think there's 21, or or let's say there's 16 for sure, possible companies and, and, and different combinations that you can receive. So from a logistical standpoint, trying to counter all of those variables at all of the different ages, it's simply an absurd claim that there is no upper limit for the limit of vaccines that can be administered during one visit. And you look at the schedule, what some of these kids are getting, you know, if you got, if you were prescribed, if you had eight prescriptions from your doctor and you were supposed to take them all at the same time, would you be more surprised if you didn't get sick than if you did? So this is from a Vaccine Administrator Guide. This is how you do it. So on the left side, one way to give five doses at one visit. And then on the right side, seven. Because, you know, there's uh, uh, the, the fact there's multiple required should not stop you from getting them all in that visit. This is a very effective graphic for legislators who, you know, their kids are grown up, they don't have grandkids, they have no idea what the schedule is. Now when you look at this, another issue that's occurring right now is they're combining it because it's quite upsetting for a parent to have their kids stuck eight times. So they're thinking, well, let's just put them all in one vial or as many in one vial as you can. Now that brings up another problem and we've seen it with the acetaminophen in medications that oh there's a little bit in here a little bit in there a little bit in there and suddenly the child's in liver failure because you didn't realize the cough syrup plus the cold medicine plus the other so there's an MMRV and there's a separate varicella chickenpox shot so some kids are getting the MMRV and a separate chickenpox shot i think there's a 5 in 1 now with the, uh, the IPV and the D, I can't remember. But anyway, it's possible for that kid, or the child now, to get the 5-in-1 plus the other two that weren't previously combined. I threw this in here because people are acting as if there's no money in the administration of vaccines for the pediatric clinic. So here's a two-month, this is a quote from the article. Now imagine a two-month well-child visit where the recommended immunizations are given. DTaP, polio, hep B, Hib, pneumococcal, and rotavirus. And they're, they're recommending that you provide counseling because then the reimbursement is $300 versus $125. Now in my experience, that two-month visits It's not an hour, and some offices are crank those out back to back, and if you go to, so you can see this is from Family Practice Management Magazine. All industries have consultants to help you make money. Some of the problems uh, for a while, if you recall, there was head cancers in children that they linked back to x-rays from dental care. That's because a non-doctor looked at the standard of care, looked at what the insurance companies would pay, and said, you know what, you could, you could do a full, uh, full uh, series every time that kid comes in, or uh, annually, because that's how you maximize the revenue from your business. In pediatric practices, I was reading one of the consultants. He says, I'm looking for, I want to see 50% or more is well child visits that's what I'm looking for in the schedule when I come in and I'm going to advise a pediatric practice how to maximize their income I'm looking for 50 percent or more because that's continuity income just you know you're scheduling that it's a little bit uh, uh, who wants to wait around till people are sick to get paid now here is one of the representatives in, in my state uh, when we were fighting a bill. Dear Danny, thank you for reaching out to me about your concerns related to HB 1638. Like you, I have always been a firm believer in personal freedom, except when that personal freedom puts others in danger. The chance of serious harm resulting from an MMR vaccine is only one in four million. So this lady's off four times from the other ones. While the chance of dying from measles, if contracted, is much higher at one in 1,000. That's wrong. If we do not vaccinate our children, then people who cannot be vaccinated for legitimate medical reasons will be at risk, which again ties in exactly with Dr. Orion. So like I do, I went to the source, and this is from the vaccine information sheet. If you pull the real MMRV product insert, it's a poster with, with magnifying glass high print on it. So then, uh, and that was one of the issues with the, uh, with, the H- with, the, with the law was that they needed to provide the, the law says that the doctor is supposed to be a learned intermediary to help you as a parent determine which of these are safe, effective, and necessary for your child to take on that role. And then the other part was that we needed to come up with vaccine information sheets, you know, to summarize that multi-page document. So on this one, uh, children may get these two vaccines as two separate shots, an MMR and a varicella vaccine, or you can get one in the MMRV. Both options give the same protection, one shot less, one injection less with the MMRV. Children who got the first dose as MMRV have had more fevers and fever-related seizures, about 1 in 1250. That's the seizure rate of the MMRV. Then children who got the first dose as separate shots of MMR and varicella vaccines on the same day, one in 2,500. So you doubled the seizure rate with the product selection of MMRV over MMR and a separate chickenpox shot. What and and one of the questions that I raised in uh, the legislative hearing is if you can, if as a parent, I can cut the seizure risk to my child in half by dose. Uh, product selection or dose timing, why don't I have that right? What's anti-vaccine about that? And leave the chickenpox one off and then the MMR is only 1 in 3,500. So when the MMRV came out, this is from a uh, evaluation of MMRV and febrile seizures, updated vaccine safety database or data link analysis with chart review res- results. And you can see that spike in the middle. So. That tall spike, that's all excess from using the MMRV. You have the purple is the MMR and a chickenpox in separate injections in the same visit. And then the yellow one is the MMR alone. And the blue one is the uh, chickenpox alone. Part of the problem with these studies is this is not, the background is not against an unvaccinated group kids are seizing all of the time because they're getting shots all of the time. One of the things about the age-based administration instead of just doing all the kids together at one time is it's pretty hard to ignore it when they're all having the same problem. This way it's just kind of a steady uh, like rainfall and you don't really notice it as the downpour it would be if they did them all together. Now this right here, Eliminates, so the claim by pro-vaccine is that, number one, that single vaccines are safe and more vaccines in one visit are still safe and combination vaccines are still safe. And yet right there you see that a single MMR or single chickenpox has a less senior seizure rate than when they're given together and, th- and that has a lower seizure rate than the four in one combination shot. So when parents go in, are they being told, would you like the 1 in 1250 seizure rate or the 1 in 2500 seizure rate treatment today? Are vaccines magical? Medical errors are the third leading cause of death in the U.S. You could not do a 4 million anything without killing somebody. You couldn't perform 1 million, much less 4 million, error-free B12 injections or even saline. Are vaccines made by elves and delivered by angels? Does the intent that a product or procedure be a vaccination somehow magically protect the patient from normal product and administration errors and failures that exist in the real world? I had one testimony where I said, I said, if, you know, it was to the health board, uh, our health uh, committee, and I said, imagine that you put out a bid for you want to have a company to provide insulin and other injected medications, you put out an RF, RFB, a request for bid request for quote, then one of the criteria would be what is your error or injury rate? What if one company came in and said, well, we're very proud that our injury and mortality rate is in, the, you know, one of the lowest three in the country, and, uh, you know, we're working all of the time. And then the next company came in and said, we're perfect. We never make a mistake. I mean, we say, we'll say one in a million because it's unscientific to say injuries never happen. But yeah, we're perfect. Who's going to get that contract? That's what public health is saying when they make these representations from a, when you want universal vaccination as a policy, then it needs to be, that the, 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 the it, vaccine injury needs to be thought of as so rare as it's only theoretical and that at no point can the risk of injury play a part in the acceptance, the the decision by the parent. Oh, there's me, okay. So, do we have time? Yeah, we got time. Okay, so in talking with various advocates around, one of the issues is their kids end up with partners that aren't on the same page. And uh, so we were discussing there needs to be some kind of a dating or a matchmaker service or something (laughs) like that. But uh, so I was uh, on a coffee date and uh, going through my phone to try to find a picture of my son or my cat or something like that. And uh, the lady goes, she sees that picture and she goes, are you a conspiracy theorist? (laughs) And I go. It's not a theory. <laughs> anyway, that, that, it was good. I got it over quick. <laughs> and this was just, it's just for Washington State, when one of these clowns was, you know, I got into it with one of the guys in the, uh, uh, one of the health officers. And so, and I showed him that, you know, All right, you know, you guys are causing or the system is causing three or four serious injuries. Show me one. You show me a child that you concede was injured singly or solely from the vaccine or the vaccination process. And if you can't, that means you're either hiding it or you don't even know. They don't like me. Oh, here we go. So. That concludes the uh, informational part of my talk, and in keeping things with a light heart, I do like cats, and that—that's probably it's probably that, and not the conspiracy theory thing, anyway. But uh, so he, he's going to go ahead and play this, and that will play me off the stage. And thank you very much. I hope I did complete sentences.